The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. Get mountain cold refreshment delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to coorslight.com slash SGP. That's coorslight.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. And make sure to download the SGPN app. It is your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. As we bask in the glow of post-first round NFL draft goodness, we are now, you know, I had to put this episode out on a Friday because I couldn't do it on draft day with all of the craziness that was about to ensue with the NFL draft. So we are here today to actually react to everything that happened in round one, all of the madness, all of the late scramble, all of the who's going to take the first quarterback drama of round one. And I have brought in... The Swiss Army Knife of the SGPN, Scott Reichel. Scott, welcome in, and and how are you feeling uh, after post-first-round hangover? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. It's nice to be back on the show. Been a while. Overall, I thought the first round was eventful. You had a lot of trades late, which didn't exactly surprise me because one thing about having a deep but not star-studded draft class is that you're going to see a lot of people trading up late in rounds to try to steal some quality players the issue was there was no consensus number one pick. Not to mention the fact the quarterbacks weren't very good. But we can get to that in a second. So Walker went one. I wouldn't have taken him one, but based on all of the signs that we saw leading up to the draft, it seemed like it was set in stone a couple of days before. But overall, I thought the same thing as usual. I thought most teams drafted pretty well. A couple of head-scratching picks. I was a bit surprised Malik Willis didn't go in the first round which I think was one of the bigger surprises for me. I was also surprised that Pickett was drafted before Willis. I'm not surprised Pickett went to Pittsburgh, though. I feel like that was where everyone thought he might end up going, being the local guy and how Pittsburgh, no offense to Mason Rudolph, but kind of needs a quarterback, so they decided to go with him. Overall, I thought everything was kind of eventful and fun and somewhat expected, but a couple of wrinkles in there. You? Yeah, so I mean, I did a mock draft with uh, with Jeff Lambert of going for two, and and he had about five or six of us that were all basically fantasy analysts, you know, people that that cover fantasy football mainly, and he even said it himself. He was surprised at the lack of actual fantasy relevant players that were taken, uh, or that really weren't taken within the first few drafts. It was all offensive linemen, defense. You know, he just said, "Wow, we have not gone this deep in a mock draft in a long time." without actually having to grab or without having a uh, running back receiver quarterback taken off the board. So, um, you know, that, and that's kind of the way the draft fell to, uh, to the actual teams in the NFL. Uh, definitely was my takeaway. Now, the wide receivers definitely made up for it because you had six of them in the first round. In fact, you had six of them in about the first 25 picks. And then you had a bunch of teams that kind of needed a receiver like the Cowboys, for example. They looked over and nobody was there. And they ended up going for an offensive lineman instead. There should also be a decent amount of talented wide receivers going in the first couple of picks in the second round and most likely the third round because it seems like receivers are the new commodity and why, and running backs are a dying breed because in most given years, Brees Hall was a lock for a first-round pick, and this year he was not. So it seems like NFL teams and front offices have fully made the pivot to taking – young wide receivers in the first round over young running backs. What cracked me up the most is it, it was like a normal fantasy draft where you saw one receiver fly off the board and then all of a sudden everybody went on a run and it was just like, yeah. oh my God, I got to get my receiver. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that was pretty funny. All right, well, let's talk about that as we load up our first three minutes on the clock. <clears throat> Again, it was about five picks in. We hadn't seen a single anybody come off. Then pick six, pick seven, people warning themselves, all right, well, what are the Falcons going to do now that all we've seen is offensive linemen and edge rushers come off the board? Well, they decide that they're going to shore their losses from Calvin Ridley for the 2022 season, and they pick 
Drake London. Now, Scott, this was not the receiver that I think was the highest on most people's boards, so this shocked a lot of people. But Drake London out of USC, what were your initial reactions from him, and and what do you think about him as a fit in Atlanta now with Marcus Mariota? It feels like deja vu because they did the same exact thing with Pitts last year. They needed help at basically every position. Now the quarterback position got worse because Matt Ryan's gone there, placed him with Mariota, who was a wild, uh, he was a wildcat quarterback all of last year, barely threw the ball. So to address all of the other holes in your team, you took another wide receiver. Now Drake London, I think, is talented. The one thing I'm confused about is why Williams slid a little bit because of the ACL injury, but London didn't slide at all when he had the serious injury last year as well. I know London's injury happened sooner, so he was probably more healthy at this point in time. But if you're going to draft a guy who has had injury history, I think Williams was the best receiver in the class. And if he was not coming off a torn ACL, I think he probably would have gone top three. I think he's actually that good when healthy. But London's another jump ball receiver. He's going to be very difficult to guard in man-on-man coverage, and he could also break some zones because of his leaping ability and his ability to go up and get it, so to speak. I do wonder how much of his fantasy upside is going to be killed by Mariota being his quarterback, which is a conversation we're going to have to have because I don't think you like Mariota either as a fantasy option. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. So I think he's talented. He's If you're talented enough, you should find a way to succeed, and they have an offensive-minded head coach. I know that Smith's system – was a work in progress last year. And the Falcons are still going to be terrible, don't get me wrong. But for London, I think he'll have a decent rookie year. You? Yeah, so, I mean, what, 1,084 yards in his junior year. Did not play a senior year, obviously, just a three-year player uh, in his career at USC. 2,153 yards, 15 touchdowns. You know, the numbers don't lie. It's a, it's a Pac-12 school. It's it's probably hard to be a 1,000-yard receiver against some of those cornerbacks. But I will say that, to me, his fantasy upside does get capped by Marcus Mariota. You are absolutely correct. I don't think that this is a situation. And, of course, Kyle Pitts is there. So, yeah, it'll be a nice compliment for Kyle Pitts to have London on the other side, maybe to take a little bit of this heat off, especially now that Ridley's gone. But I'm not running after him in one of the, my first few picks of the draft, of my rookie draft. I just don't think his landing spot was fantasy-friendly enough for me to, to want to take a chance on him. Yeah, I'm in, the same boat. I'm in the same boat. Now, the touchdowns will be the saving grace because you're assuming jump receiver, they give him a bunch of one-on-one shots, back shoulder fades, etc. But you also have Kyle Pitts who does the same thing. So I am kind of curious how the red zone targets are going to play out between those two. But London's touchdowns should be a pretty solid plus for his entire career, pretty much. Well, and then you lose Matt Ryan, who I, I don't know that he threw a lot of red zone touchdowns anyways. Julio Jones managers can attest to that. <laughs> He's the red zone interception master, though, which I witnessed several times in his career. See? So, yeah, London's not going to be hampered by that at all. Uh, all right, so the Seahawks take an offensive lineman uh, because they want to protect Drew Locke. Uh, but then the New York Jets started the big run on wide receivers, and they grabbed Garrett Wilson, who I think uh, it's safe to say that many people thought was going to go before, just like you had said, too, uh, before all of these guys, Garrett Wilson, out of Ohio State, now goes to the New York Jets. This team is starting to get young, Scott. It's starting to get fast. Uh, You know, it was Wilson who was a 1,000-yard receiver at Ohio State as well, 70 catches in his junior year, 1,058 yards, 12 touchdowns. A massive guy that I think uh, a lot of teams would be happy to have. But now, for better or for worse, he's a New York Jet. Yeah, for me, I think that Joe Douglas already deserves a statue outside of the building because he's done that good of a job drafting and just really acquiring talent for the Jets, who look like an actual football team right now, which is a step in the right direction, so congrats to him. As for the actual wide receiver class, I had Williams at one. Just based on the upside, I had Wilson at two, and then I had London at three. So I like Wilson a lot. However, I don't know how much of Ohio State's production is based on the lack of competition or the fact that the system is so built on just generating a ton of success. Because if you remember, Ohio State had a couple receivers opt out of the bowl game, and the third-string receiver had 300 yards against Utah. So I don't really know what to think about this wide receiver depth chart for Ohio State. But from what I've seen, Garrett Wilson's very, very good, and he should be a consistent contributor 
in the NFL. Is he a game breaker? I wouldn't say that, but I do think he should complement Elijah Moore quite nicely. And I do believe he should end up having a solid season. Worst case scenario, he'll help out the development of Zach Wilson. But if I'm going to roast Drake London for having Marcus Mariota as his quarterback, for fantasy purposes, I got to bring up Zach Wilson because he was not very good last year. He also got injured. And even though I do think he will look better in the second year, mostly because he can't really look any worse, but I do think that Wilson will help out. But he's also capped because do you really want to start a guy week in and week out with Zach Wilson throwing him the ball? As of right now, probably not. And he's got two. Again, I think the the good looking or the good look at this is now he's got two young receivers that he can grow around. And and maybe this obviously is not a a redraft pick that you want to take right now because yes, you probably don't want any part of the Jets' offense still uh, for fantasy purposes. And the fact that they were picking this high in the draft should tell you exactly that uh, that their offense was not necessarily what it needed to be for you for fantasy purposes. But I will say he makes an intriguing dynasty pickup in mm-hmm. these rookie drafts because you never know with these two guys, Elijah Moore and now Garrett Wilson, how Zach Wilson can. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, Garrett Wilson. No, you got that right. Wilson yeah, to Wilson right. connection. Sorry, so many Wilsons yeah. out there. Uh, but yeah, how that connection is going to grow over the years. That's how I feel. Now, if you want to talk about some potential sleepers in fantasy, I know I just roasted them. I think Zach Wilson might have some spots there, maybe even as a spot starter, if you think that Moore and Wilson, the receiver, have good matchups. If you're against a weak secondary it does seem like the Jets have enough weapons, as along with Uzan, who they picked up in free agency. Wilson might have a couple of decent spots there to maybe be a plug-and-play. It'll be interesting to watch that Jets offense shake out, though. And, you know, maybe the draft picks start to get later and later in the season for them, which, which would be a good thing for them, obviously. Uh, but if, if they keep picking toward the front, they're going to start to build themselves a good team <laughs> sooner or later. By by way of actual just, I guess, sheer Murphy's Law, they got to put together a team that's going to win at some point. Uh, we haven't seen it yet, but I don't know. Maybe we will see it. Well, what do you think of Zach Wilson? Because I know that he was awful last year, but... They are, there are some weapons there, and if you want to make a case that he's still an NFL-caliber guy, or remains to be seen, but as of right now, that's what we think he might be, there's a couple of really awful divisions out there and a bunch of awful defenses. You might find a spot where your quarterback might be on bye. You need a plug-and-play guy. It would not surprise me if Wilson has a couple of 300-yard games this season. Yeah, I mean, you're really going to have to figure out which matchups to, to play him, and then you're probably yeah. going to have to even mm-hmm. wait until the middle of the season to see how it shakes out for him. And, and the young guys around him. So, I don't know. We'll see. All right. But the next re- uh, receiver that came off the board, a teammate, of course, of, <laughs> of Garrett Wilson, was Chris Olave, uh, who was also a Ohio State uh, ride receiver. Uh, he played all four years, though. 2,700 yards in four years. Uh, 35 touchdowns over the course of his uh, Ohio State career as well. So, one of the big three that they talked about, obviously we'll talk about the next one next, but uh, Chris Olave, you know, now is a member of the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas, not getting any younger. They need somebody new for Jameis Winston to throw to. But herein, again, lies one of those uh, situations, Scott, where this guy is a talented receiver, but I feel like he landed in, in a bad spot for him to show it, at least for this season. Are we sure Michael Thomas is even going to play this year? Because he's had a whole circus go on around him for the last couple of years. But, of course, you have Jameis, and your mind immediately goes to at 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. That's where your mind goes to. However, Sean Payton's not there anymore. And now they have a defensive-minded head coach. I am curious what the offensive blueprint will be next season. Now, it seemed like when, before uh, Winston got hurt, he was mostly a game manager, quote-unquote, and they were relying on Kamara to really carry the team's offense. And then, of course, they opened it up a little bit as the season went on. I think Olave is very good. I do agree with you, though. There's too many question marks, especially since Sean Payton has been an offensive genius for the most part for the past decade and change. And now you have a brand-new coaching staff. You wonder how the transition is going to be if you need a transition year, so to speak. I mean, hell, you got Taysom Hill playing tight end again, so that's another weapon that uh, Winston can use, right? But for me, I think Olave will have a decent year because the talent is there. 
But there's so many question marks regarding the actual system and the coaching staff, especially a defensive-minded guy like Dennis Allen. It would not surprise me if Olave is on the underwhelming side of rookie playmakers. You? I want to see Kevin James uh, coach the Saints. He, I don't know if you know this, but he's he... too busy coaching the Pee Wee team. You know, and <laughs> on the was that the Netflix special? It's a great special. I loved it. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, even Kevin James, I think, could could make good use of, of Olave. But uh, unfortunately, like we talked about, man, it's it's Jameis Winston. I can't really get excited about Jameis Winston as a fantasy quarterback until I see him do anything worthwhile. And and that Saints offense, you know, it, it's just touch and go. And it really looks good in spurts, and then it just looks terrible. So yeah. Olave, again, is not somebody in redraft that I'm really going to gonna, gonna spend a high draft pick on and in fact if he's sitting around for me in the last rounds after I filled out my starters I may take a flyer on him but not before I grab a guy like Garrett Wilson or maybe even Drake London just just for the hell of it just to see where I'm at I'm throwing darts so let's pretend in a perfect world that Michael Thomas actually was healthy and played 15 games this season something like that which I think is possible is possible he's a target merchant and he's a catch merchant. I mean, the last time we saw him play a full season, he set the all-time record for receptions. So if you're looking at a situation where New Orleans probably leans on him for the majority of the pass-catching responsibilities, then there's a decent chance Olave ends up in the indirect doghouse because most of the targets are going to Thomas. A la Brandon Ayuk, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're, we're getting down in the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, so you know, proceed at risk, but I don't think this really helped his fantasy value at all. I think uh, he'll need a year or two before he finds a solid footing in the league. Dynasty, are you taking him? Oh, boy. Or where would you take him, I guess? If, if the I was price is say, right for yeah, everybody. It would be pretty, I'd say it would be middle to late, but it's one of those where I can afford to wait on him. If the value's there at that point, I'll take him, but I'm not jumping out of my chair needing to get this guy. Well, we'll turn over to his former Ohio State teammate who transferred to Alabama and had a gigantic year. You got to think that in a situation like Jameis Williams or Jameson Williams was in, you know, he was behind those guys, ha- had really a lot of uh, targets to fight for. So, yeah, moving to Alabama for him was probably one of the better things he could do for himself, uh, especially for his draft stock. As he came over to Alabama in 2021 for his junior year, went off. For 79 receptions, 1,572 yards, 15 touchdowns. Basically put up numbers exactly like the two that were before him, mm-hmm. uh, but he had to do it in a different school because he had to fight for, for field space. So, But now he finds himself as a member of the Jared Goff-led Detroit Lions. Uh, I want to like this, but Amon Ross St. Brown is there, and we saw what happened to him last season. Yes, he came on. Yes, he started to look good, but boy. It's about time. I was waiting for him for about 14 weeks. But are we in this for Jamison Williams the same way? I actually am. I think Williams is the type of guy that will be a boomer bust fantasy prospect week in, week out to start. Because even though he was an underrated possession receiver at some time, at some point in Alabama, he was mostly the Deshaun Jackson of the team. He was going to have three, four receptions, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. That was kind of the stat line he was going for. Now, the reason why I think that him and St. Brown can coexist is because Amon Ra turned into a bit of a, I don't want to say a slot guy, but that was kind of where he was positioned most of the time on the field. We saw Josh Reynolds have a couple of big receiving games from some long scoring plays, and I think that Williams can fit that role quite nicely, where his explosiveness assuming the knee's fully healed and assuming that he's ready to go, I do think he's going to give opposing defenses problems because he can really take the top off. And if you're talking about a situation where defenses are playing zone, I think he can find massive holes in the middle. Goff, no matter how bad you think he might be, he has always thrown a really pretty deep ball. That has always been one of the pros of his entire career. So when it comes to deep ball quarterbacks – I actually like Jared Goff matching up with Williams. I think he's going to do pretty well. And they also play in a dome, which helps. You all, dome football. Don't tell Colby that. He hates dome football. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) it is good for fantasy. Uh, I do do love, though, that I I was watching that commercial with uh, Matt Stafford where he was talking about his phone and he was like, even if... 
even if you are never going to forget that phone and that phone yeah. is, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I, I have a feeling that even Stafford would be a better pick uh, for, for where Jamison Williams is going to end up than, than Jared Goff. But yeah, I mean, look, this team's only got to get better, right? I mean, Jared yeah. Goff is not a terrible quarterback. He's just not the one that you remember him as from mm, the last the couple one of years. Fluke, the one fluke year with McVay. I mean, you could just say it how it is. Yeah. But I, once again, the one, I'd say, area that I do think he excels in is not many, but it is a deep ball throwing. And I'm not going to say that he's as good as Wilson, but if you want to just go based on ball placement and arm strength, he's probably a top 10 deep thrower in the league. Well, uh, we'll have to see. And as far as fantasy is concerned, do what you will with this one because this is the I, I really offense. like Williams. It, the thing is, he might turn into a massive flame-out guy in the pros and in fantasy because you're banking on those big passing plays. But I do really love the upside with Williams. And if you're looking for a guy who is in a division which – to be honest, I think is okay. Green Bay's been falling off. The defense is okay. Minnesota's defense has been underwhelming for years. Same thing with Chicago. So I do think there are some holes potentially in some of those secondaries. I like Williams a lot. I'm relatively bullish on him as a prospect. I'm assuming you're you like him, but not as much as I do. I mean, probably not as much, but I, I would say that we'll just like I said, we'll just have to see because this is a lot of of whether or not Jared Goff can turn it around in Detroit and figure it out uh, like he did with the Rams. So, or they don't, and you get a <laughs> bunch of garbage, or and they get a bunch of garbage time yards in the fourth quarter. This is true too. Football has a lot to do with just sheer garbage time if you need it, uh, which is something the next team that took a wide receiver could see a lot of too, and that is the Washington Commanders, the newly minted Commanders, as they look. There was all kinds of madness that happened in between these picks too. There was trades. There was just all kinds of sheer good old-fashioned shenanigans. And this one came by way of Indy, by way of Philly, by way of New Orleans, by way of Washington. And they chose their wide receiver, uh, Jahan Dotson, who will now line up across from Terry McLaurin. Penn State grad, all four years, 1,182 yards in his senior year, 12 touchdowns. Not a big guy, 5'11", 184 pounds. But uh, apparently they saw something in him that they want to, uh, I guess, line up across the guy that they're really wanting to throw the ball to most. So what are we doing here with Jahan Dotson? And, and is he a fit over there in Washington? He had 1,100 plus yards with Sean Clifford throwing him the ball. I'm a fan because I don't like Sean Clifford at all. But you're looking at Dotson. He had a couple of really great one-handed catches against Ohio State. That's the main highlight people show. That's why they know him. But if you watched him in the Big Ten, which I did, he's extremely talented. And I do believe that he is a good fit. Now, the quarterback situation for Washington, I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy, but we can cross that bridge when we cross that bridge. As for Dotson, he also gives you special teams value. And if your fantasy league does factor in punt returns, kick returns, stuff like that, I do expect Dotson to be the returner. So you might have some extra special teams value if he has two return touchdowns in a season. But when it comes to McLaurin, I think it's actually going to boost his value because teams can no longer shadow him over the top, which is kind of what happened last year. The overall fit, I think, is okay, but it really comes down to if you think Carson Wentz has any talent left. And I do think that Wentz held back some wide receivers in Indianapolis last year. I was a big Pittman guy. He ended up having a couple of good games but for the most part, you're looking at Wentz going, what are you doing for about 75% of the game? So I think Wentz is going to be hit or miss with this team, which means I'm a little bit low on Dotson this year. But for overall talent, he should be a very consistent contributor for the next eight years. I think he's a very, very solid football player. And Wentz could be one and done in Washington too. I mean, yeah. that that could happen it, it very well. And so now if you take a chance – on, on Dotson, then you may get a better quarterback next year and you're sitting pretty, especially in Dynasty. I mean, obviously in redraft, I'm not going to have any part of him in redraft at all. I'll let somebody else have that headache. Uh, as I'm, I'm going like to I'm gonna wait until maybe next year or when we find out more with more certainty if Wentz can A, still play decently and B, if he's still going to be on the team. But when it comes to Dotson, I think we can agree that when it comes to just overall Swiss Army knife potential... Dotson can do a lot of things for a football team. 
I want more teams, more leagues, actually, to start counting return yards for players. I, I don't think there's enough of that out there. I love it in the CFL. I think the NFL should do it. How about you? I'm in for it. The thing that's weird about leagues is that for punt return touchdowns, the player gets the touchdown, but also the defense gets the touchdown, which I don't – we're just handing out an extra touchdown now. I don't know how that works, but I can understand that. It would have to be on some serious decimal point thing, like point something per yard. Like it would have to be something crazy. But if you want to talk about some random touchdowns that might appear for Dotson, I think we would agree together he should be the returner on this team. I like it. And like I said, go add some return yard. Even if it's a quarter of a point per yard, uh, that's even better than nothing for a returner. Because, you yeah. know, they need they need love too. Uh, but also who needs love are the next five players that we're about to talk about. We will come back from the break, break it down. We got a couple more players, but then we've also got to talk about some of the massive, massive happenings uh, as far as the players that got traded to make room for some of these other players uh, on the back end of it. So we'll come back with more here on the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast. Hang tight with us as we talk to you about WinBet. Make sure to get down on the win bets, bet $10 to win $200 promotion where $10 bet qualifies you for $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. And of course, don't forget to get involved in their same game parlays with the wins. Build your own bet feature. All users, all of you, can receive a $20 free bet when you win, lose, or push a three-plus leg build your own bet parlay between Thursday and Saturday. You could take advantage of the offer on the NBA playoffs if you want. There's so much to choose from, and all you got to do is download the WinBet app or visit winnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're giving away $500 in our NFL Draft Props Contest. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft or click the contest tab in the SGPN app. If you're the winner, you get it all. It is a hectic time of year between NFL drafts, weddings, graduations, spring sports, and so much more. We're busier than ever right now. And if you're like me, you forget to take a second for yourself. So this season, take a second to enjoy an ice-cold Coors Light because you, I am talking to you as I always am, deserve a beer that is made to chill because you're just like me. I know you are. You feel like you're always on. You got work. You got friends. You got family. There's a million pressing social issues out there that demand your attention, and you need to be on 24-7. And sometimes, more often than not, you just need to turn it off and hit the reset button. That is when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light because it is made to chill. And as I tell you every single time, it takes the guesswork out of it. You don't even got to think about it. You see the Blue Mountains? They turn blue. It's time to drink it because it's cold enough for you to drink and enjoy. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves. It's perfect for a moment to unwind. So when I need a second for myself, I reach for the beer that is made to chill. Go get Coors Light delivered to you straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And remember to always celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. What is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. Special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging all of those things, and more importantly, it only costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it is cheaper than that cold brew habit that you keep trying to kick over and over again. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. And to make it super simple for you, because if you're like me, you want everything super simple for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first person, first purchase, first person too. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're reacting to the draft 
because there was much to react with. Scott Reichel, Rod Gomez, the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast. Ooh, the music continues. <laughs> Hot and heavy. Uh, as we break down a couple more players that were drafted because if there was nothing... Look, the first few picks of the draft, Scott, I, I mean, I know that we... We, you talked about it in the beginning when we were breaking this thing down. Is that there wasn't any, there wasn't any high named like I mean I guess there was no star studded right. The quarterbacks I watched as the quarterbacks in the green room sat there and just were on their phones looking dejected, did not seem at all like they were interested in what was going on because they knew their names weren't going to get called for a while. So it just felt a little uneventful for the first few picks. For fantasy purposes, yes, but for overall trades, it was. Definitely a fun experience if you enjoy watching a bunch of teams trade up for offensive linemen or defensive <laughs> linemen or corners or stuff like that. But for actual fantasy football players, it was a bit uneventful. Hey, these these GMs were playing for keeps. They were playing real football. They weren't playing fantasy football. I mean, they were doing they were doing the gritty work like you do in Madden uh, franchise drafts when you're going through and you're you know you have to pick a center. And you're like, oh, fine. I Can I get fantasy points per pancake? Is that is that an option? <laughs> I don't know. I bet you could. Custom uh, custom scoring might as well, yeah. right? Uh, all right. So we didn't have to wait too long after the commanders took uh, Jahan Dotson to find the next receiver off the board. But this one, we'll talk about what came before it as well. Uh, landed in the lap of the Tennessee Titans. Apparently, they had an open wide receiver position to fill, so they filled it with Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Uh, Traylon Burks came in with an 11 1,100-yard 1100 season himself, 11 touchdowns out of Arkansas in his junior year. Caught 66 passes. Uh, really, you know, 6'3 guy, so he's pretty big, pretty tall. Uh, we've, we've seen this story before right in Tennessee. But now, all of a sudden... He, his his prospects are looking a little bit better, uh, although I'm not sure what you feel about it, Scott. But I, I'm sure Traylon, happy to see where he's landed, kind of sad to see maybe who he's, who he's not going to be with anymore. I mean, it's process of elimination, though, for fantasy purposes, because I think Burks is a talented receiver. I think he's a little bit raw. So originally, I was kind of hesitant on making a fantasy investment on him. But you look at the spot, and... Who else do they have to throw the ball to? I mean, you lose A.J. Brown, who did pretty much all of your heavy lifting offensively. They cut Julio Jones, who I'm sure half the people forgot was even there because he was a <laughs> non-factor last year. And they're looking at a spot where even though Derrick Henry should touch the ball a lot because he's Derrick Henry, you got to throw the ball occasionally. And right now, who's the number one? It's, is it Burks? Like, I, I, I don't know. So the fact that you don't really have to compete with an absolute monster in terms of targets definitely helps Burke. So if you're looking for a rookie wide receiver for initial impact and value, not really long-term, just this year plug-and-play, Burks is probably going to be close to your best bet because Tennessee really just doesn't have many other mouths to feed. Well, and I said to to myself, because I was sitting here watching it by myself, uh, I, turned, I turned to myself and said, self, I think Tennessee really just uh, solidified their identity as a running team because Derrick Henry already gets 6,000 carries a, a season. Uh, I think he's in for about 12,000 this year because, mm -hmm. you know, there's, like you said, all the pass catchers now are, are either young or absolutely just, unless they bring a couple of vets in to fill the spot. And this is what separates, I think, GMs and us who aren't GMs is that they're playing the long game. We want we want to see stuff happen now, especially in fantasy. I think long game, the idea is Tannehill's not going to lead us there. We kind of have to stall. At least that's my impression. I don't want to say the teams that just made the playoffs last year are already planning for four years down the road. But I think we can agree when you're paying that much money to Ryan Tannehill, you're not going to win a title. It's just not going to happen. So Tennessee took the young, talented receiver who they could maybe groom into becoming somebody, and they got rid of a wide receiver who wants $100 million. So I can understand why Tennessee did it. They got younger. I don't want to say they waved the flag because the rest of that division is not very good either. But it seems like Tennessee has admitted indirectly – that the window is not fully closed, but somebody's going to be somebody's shutting the window, and it should be closed in I don't know about a year or two. 
I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll, I, don't, I don't know how else to interpret that, right? I mean, no. you trade A.J. Brown, who's your best weapon, not including Derrick Henry by far. It's not even close. And now you have kind of Green Bay's wide receiver situation. I know Green Bay just took Watson in the second round out of North Dakota State. But you lose Devontae Adams, and in this case, you lose A.J. Brown. At least they drafted a wide receiver in the first round, unlike Green Bay. But Green Bay is relying on Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb and a bunch of guys that you don't really trust. And Tennessee's kind of in the same boat. They are now. And, and I just feel like it's all – some of these GMs are just kind of throwing their – their. it's almost like a, a dynasty player that's trying to just rebuild for the sake of rebuilding. They're like, oh, okay, I'll just give you away my best player and I'll see what I can get in return. Mm. Ugh, it's wild. Uh, speaking of wild – we waited a long time for the first quarterback name to come off the board. He did at number 20. And uh, we, we, you know, uh, Scott talked about it before. It's the name that we expected in Pittsburgh, but it wasn't the first quarterback name that we thought we were going to hear on the night. The Steelers select Kenny Pickett, who uh, played at Pitt. I mean, he's going to stay. He's just They kept saying it, too. He's just going to take his stuff out of one locker room and move right around to the other, uh, which he is. Uh, it's, I guess that's safe to say. In 2021, threw for 4,319 yards, uh, 42 touchdowns. I had to double-take on that one the first couple times. That's a ton of touchdowns to only seven interceptions. Um, but still, here's the crazy part about it, right? Numbers like that, and we still weren't touting him as a number one, number two, even a number 10 overall pick. So paint the picture of Kenny Pickett, Scott, and and why he fell so far and, and really why he wasn't being touted overly uh, as a good quarterback well he has tiny hands right I mean wasn't that the main <laughs> wasn't that the main story that came out but I watched Pickett in college I thought it was very good now of course Pickett had I don't want to say an, a full air raid system but they definitely were pass heavy when you watch them play which is why Pickett put up a bunch of numbers plus he's mobile everyone knows the fake slide play that changed the rule in college football but he can run it gives you some dual threat ability now, when it comes to throwing, I personally thought that he was the best quarterback in this draft, or at least, worst-case scenario, the most pro-ready. Because Willis has upside with mobility. He has good arm strength. I watched him at Liberty. The accuracy is a question mark. So I feel like that's why he probably slid out of the first round. But Pickett inherits a very nice situation with a playoff-caliber team. They somehow made the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not sure how they pulled that off, but... Do you think Pickett's going to start, or do you think it's going to be Mason Rudolph? So, and when you when you do this, I have a feeling that they've they've seen what they got in Mason Rudolph. He's not the future. They know this, and they've known yeah. this for a very long time, which is why I don't think Ben Ben went anywhere for a while. I mean, because they just knew that they didn't have anybody ready in the in the back. So, it was also a pretty big check. Oh, a separate story. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who's going to turn down that that amount of zeros? Yeah. But what I will say is that is that. We've watched now for the last couple of seasons, especially, especially, well, even last season for mo for the better part of, of last season, where Zach Wilson started, where uh, Mac Jones started, where, you know, tr uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence was going to start. But, like, these guys are drafted now to, to start. And in Pittsburgh, I think they know they need, they, they don't have a quarterback that can groom him the way a Ben Roethlisberger could groom a guy like Kenny Pickett, right? So, I don't know that they're going to try to take a chance on on sitting him a couple of years so he can get seasoned because the best seasoning for a guy like Pickett, I think, is to be at the helm of a team with a Najee Harris, uh, you know, with, with uh, no, well, no Juju Smith-Schuster anymore, but Deontay Johnson, like these type of guys that are going to be there while they're there, I think are going to give him a better shot to win now than if he waited a couple of years. So do you think Pickett's going to be starting week one? I think he's going to be starting week one. I absolutely do. I don't think that they they're, have any trust in Mason Rudolph to actually... They say they did, right? They were like, yes, Mason Rudolph can be our starter. And then they pick Pickett, which everybody knew they were going to pick a, uh, uh, an eventual franchise guy. But, I mean, if you're going to spend a guy in the first round like that, I think he's going to follow the trend and start. I personally agree. If I was betting on rookie of the year, Kenny Pickett would be my first choice. Now, I'm aware that his odds are probably the lowest because he's in a very good spot, and winning matters, especially when your team is going to be on TV all the time. I'm assuming Pittsburgh will be. But you're looking at the weapons. They lost Juju. 
but they still have some guys. We know Najee Harris can catch a bunch of passes out of the backfield, but he's he's a lot better than Big Ben, and I do believe that Pickett can also, I'd say, look a little bit wise beyond his years in this spot. Now, the question you have for Pittsburgh, can the offensive line block anybody? And that's been a kind of a question for the last couple of years, which is why Najee got so many touches. He didn't have many yards because uh, at the end he did. But for the most part, it was an underwhelming year yards-wise because, I mean, he had a guy in his face two yards into the backfield every play. But I like Pickett. I think he's in a good spot. The question is, do you think that Pittsburgh's ceiling offensively is high enough to warrant drafting Pickett that high in a potential redraft or rookie situation? The only way that I think I would touch Pickett is as a second quarterback in a 2QB league or a backup to my second quarterback in a 2QB league, if he's still around. You know, I would would definitely take him because I do think he's going to start, and I think any starting quarterback in the league, and especially in a two-quarterback league, has value. So it's just a matter of what that value is and when that value is going to be there, so... So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a simple question here. Who, would, which of these mobile quarterbacks would you rather have, Kenny Pickett or Marcus Mariota? Uh, I think, it's, it's not pretty, but I'm going to ask. No, it's not pretty. Um, I think it's a fair question because they both give you some running upside. Mariota no, probably right. more, but still. Yeah, no, I, and I think at this pace, I would I would take Kenny Pickett only because I like his situation better. I mean, he's got a better uh, running back behind him because Mar- Mariota's got Cordell Patterson. And Mike Davis, if that if that even counts, right, exactly back, yeah. right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I think uh, yeah, Kenny Pickett's got a better situation at running back, especially for a young quarterback that that helps. Uh, so yeah, <clears throat> I'll, I'll take Pickett. Thanks, Scott. That yeah. was a good exercise. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I just sent you to about I don't know two months of trauma just thinking of that example, but you know, I got go. plenty of beers. I got plenty of Coors Light in the fridge to to wash that down. Uh, somebody else who needs some Coors Light in his fridge is A.J. Brown, as now he finds himself as a proud member of Sean Green's Philadelphia Eagles. Boy, you should have seen. If you follow the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, uh, Twitter, you need to, first of all, if you don't. Uh, But, yeah, Sean Green, loving life right now, having A.J. Brown as a member. I I edit the podcast, so I'm waiting for the next episode to come out. Oh, my God, yeah, you're going to have some fun with that. Uh, But that was one of the biggest trades of the night, obviously, a marquee player in A.J. Brown finding his way to Philadelphia. Uh, Scott, I only bring this up because, like we said, that it made room for another receiver to uh, for Traylon Burks to actually join the Tennessee Titans. So... What does this mean for A.J. Brown now? And we already talked a little bit about what it means for Traylon Burks, but, I mean, the offense he leaves behind and the offense he joins, what about A.J. Brown? For me, of course, it's a great player. So you're blindly going to take him because he's so talented. Now, the issue you run into is, can Jalen Hurts throw? And we saw last year the Eagles really took off based on how they started the season, because they ran the football a bunch. So do you think the Eagles will duplicate that amount of success by running the ball 40-something times a game? Or do you think A.J. Brown is a good enough weapon where they might try to open up the playbook once again in the passing game? Now you have Devontae Smith with him. It's a, it's a great tandem. Smith showed signs last year. He was very good. The bright side for Eagles fans is Rieger should never see the field again, so you got that to look forward to. But when it comes to fantasy, you got to take Brown relatively early because he's so talented, but I am a bit concerned about Jalen Hurts in the pocket because from what I've seen, he was great statistically with a bunch of garbage time yards, several points in the season. But for a lot of games against some pretty underwhelming NFC East defenses, the Giants game where he had a bunch of picks, the Cowboys game twice – he really did not look very good. So I do think that A.J. Brown's ceiling is a bit capped. It's still a pretty high ceiling because he's A.J. Brown. Yeah, and, you know, when you looked at the the depth chart before he got there, Devontae Smith obviously would have been that that wide receiver one. But, you know, Quez, Watk, uh, Quez Watkins not going to do you a whole lot of good. Greg Ward, it was just a very underwhelming, just like you said, Jalen Rieger. Uh, even Zach Pascal. Uh, coming over this this was not an overwhelming group of of wide receivers so he definitely comes in takes a clear number one role but 
like you said, this is not the A.J. Brown of the Tennessee Titans. We're going to have to wait and see if A.J. Brown, if we're talking about him as a first, even a second-round fantasy draft pick in your in your leagues, in your redraft leagues especially. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yep. So, uh, although he probably wishes that his browser was secure. That way they weren't looking at all of his Eagles memorabilia looking at. But did you know, that was a weird segue, I'll take it, that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you may as well be giving away your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and even GMs from opposing teams. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It is literally that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for you with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you got to do, tap one button. You're instantly protected. You won't even know that it's on. So stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com slash SGP. Use the promotional code SGP. Claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. As always, we're brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. NBA playoffs are set, and PropSwap is where betters find the best odds and turn the hardwood into hard cash. PropSwap is the only app that allows you to pick your favorite teams and then sell your bets whenever you want. Many prop swappers make thousands of dollars just by buying and selling championship futures all playoffs long. This allows you to win over and over and over and over again without your team ever lifting the trophy. So go to PropSwap.com. Download the free PropSwap app today. It's got fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and Red Hot Tickets for Sale, a loyalty reward program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and even better than that, a first deposit cash match. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit. PropSwap's going to match your deposit up to $500. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. Of course, the trading did not stop, and we saw another uh, marquee player come off the board, and Marquise Brown left the friendly confines of the run-heavy Baltimore Ravens and is now a member of the uh, Kyler Murray air raid offense in Arizona. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Scott, What I mean, look, fantasy players, fantasy managers last year were clamoring for Baltimore to get Marquise Brown the ball more. Uh, and, and he did. He had a thousand yard season on a on a team that basically rushed every single down uh, that they could, but yet still managed a thousand yard season. But now he goes over to Arizona. They kind of do need a wide receiver one. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is there, yes, but how effective is he going to be this year? Uh, also, how healthy? How that's exactly? That's yes, how healthy too? So I, I mean, again, all of this was to make room for draft picks, but. Uh, Marquise Brown now, that, this was a draft day event, so this is why we're covering it. So what are we thinking about that? Well, first of all, if you think that it was a bad move for Arizona, I can understand it. However, since they got Marquise Brown to replace Christian Kirk, they saved $84 million. So congratulations to the Arizona Cardinals for saving money there. Shout out to Jacksonville for ruining the entire wide receiver market. But for the actual trade itself, for fantasy value, there's got to be some. You're looking at the air raid system with, with Kingsbury, and they love to throw the ball. So if you're looking at a deep ball thrower like Kyler in a system that loves to really air it out there, and the fact that Kyler is able to run around, buy time, and even make something out of nothing, I do believe that provides a lot of opportunity for Marquise Brown to have over 1,000 yards once again. Am I a big fan of him as a player? Not really. I think he's a bit streaky. He has upside, and he could take any play 70 yards for a touchdown. 
but he's going to drop a lot of passes, and you won't notice him on the field about half the time. But the other half, he's good. So if you're looking at a situation where Arizona should throw the ball a lot and they really might rely on him a lot if Hopkins gets injured once again, which is a possibility, I think he's got fantasy upside. Realistically, I don't love the move for Arizona, but I'm not a GM. I'm talking about fantasy purposes. So I think Brown has some fantasy value. I think he slides deeper into a wide receiver two role than than anything. Or maybe, or really, worst case scenario, a 1A. You know, to or I mean, one B rather to to DeAndre Hopkins one A, uh, because they still have Zach Ertz, who they love to throw the ball to as well. So you know, it's just a matter of now he goes from a, a team where he was probably, if there was a main passing threat on that team, he was the main passing threat. To now at least the the second or maybe even third on the line in a team that uh, you know still has a good running back as well in James Conner. No, he's literally just substituting for. Kirk and Kirk most of his production came on relatively long passing plays he had the one game early in the year we had a couple touchdowns I forgot if he had did he have three against Tennessee or he had two I wouldn't have to put I don't remember but he had a couple so that definitely front-loaded his overall season production but Kirk was a big play guy and they got a cheaper version of him who is still very talented and even though it's kind of a mixed bag with Brown for fantasy purposes, he should get some targets and he should have a decent amount of touchdowns. So I do like his fantasy upside, but we mentioned that Hopkins might get injured. Are we sure Kyler is going to be healthy? Who knows that's a separate, at this point? That's a separate issue. Or playing baseball at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, he, he wrote the wrong letter, or his agent did. Nobody read it and he came back. <laughs> it's like- it was on Twitter. It was a lot of... Uh, it was a lot of words, and most people did not read any of those words. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I, I don't even think he read all those words. Did he, you read it? No I, just God, saw, no. I just saw a photo and said, all right, he's unhappy. And I kind of <laughs> just moved on with my life, you know? I just caught the Twitter highlights. That's about yeah. it. Uh, speaking of not reading the full him up, because this was, a, uh, this was one of the names that was popping up as a potential trade guy. Uh, that was going to be the Niners making a move to get in the first round by leveraging... The unhappiness, I suppose, of Debo Samuel in his current role uh, to try to get a first-round player, that did not happen. But, Scott, I'm asking because the draft is not over, and there's still some wheeling and dealing to be done. So I read a tweet, speaking of Twitter, that uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but saying Debo was not going to be uh, a Niner past the end of the draft, to which Trey Lance promptly just said, uh, go ahead and shut up. So I'm hoping that Trey Lance is correct and that Debo stays in San Francisco. But what are what are you feeling about this? Well, by the way, just to ask, is that starting quarterback Trey Lance has said that or backup <laughs> quarterback Trey Lance has said that? Once again, we'll see. I don't if Jimmy G is still there, I gotta think it's still his job. Really? I'm I'm surprised no team wanted to pick up that contract. I'm shocked. You know, <laughs> that's the thing that you run into in the NFL. A quick segue before I get back into the actual question at hand. People always say, what about Baker Mayfield? What about Jimmy Garoppolo? All these guys. You realize you have to pay them, right? I mean, the fact that the Colts somehow unloaded that entire Wentz contract, I mean, just tells all you need to know about Dan Snyder owning a football team because that's an absolute just disastrous trade for Washington. I can't believe the Colts got away with theft in broad daylight. But to go back to Debo Samuel, I'm not surprised that he's still on the team because – We saw what A.J. Brown was worth, and I mentioned as a joke, you know, the Jaguars ruined the wide receiver market. I'm serious. (laughs) I'm serious in a joking manner because they did ruin the entire wide receiver market. It's the equivalent of the Ravens giving a max contract to Joe Flacco, and suddenly every other quarterback wants $40 million. That's kind of what we have in the wide receiver market right now. Plus, Debo said publicly – I don't want to be a wide back. I want to be a wide receiver, don't really want to take handoffs. And that was the entire reason why he was so valuable the entire season. So he doesn't want to publicly at least admit that, or he publicly admitted he does not want to do the main thing that made him so successful in the first place, which doesn't really make any sense at all. But am I surprised he's still there? No, because in order to keep him, you have to pay him. 
And if A.J. Brown got $100 million, he's probably getting $120 million. And most NFL teams don't want to pay a wide receiver who's been injured occasionally throughout the first couple of years $120 million. So I'm not surprised he's still there. I find it just really interesting, too, if we're really thinking about this, that he defined the wide, I like what you call it, the wide back role in the NFL, so much so that offenses started copying it by the end of the year. You saw yeah. a lot of that go on, right? He redefined the role, and then he was like, you know what, I don't even want to do this anymore. I, 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 I'm out. It, like he, he ends up ending the interview with the quote, and the agent just slaps him across the face, like, what are you doing? That's the main reason why he had that much value in the first place. I don't want to do, yeah, I don't want to do the thing that actually changed the way people actually run their offenses. Well, uh, well I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you though, because you're a Niners fan. Assuming that Debo is there to stay for now, would you pay Debo Samuel 120 million dollars? We have because seen... he's so valuable to your team, but at some point you got to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not paying a wide receiver this much money, especially one that's been injured on occasion, and he's been banged up a lot. You you basically laid it out for me, too. That's exactly it. You cannot you cannot set this precedent. And you, we've done it. I mean, the NFL's done it time and time again. They set this precedent where... The Jaguars sabotaged the wide receiver market. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened. Yeah, and you're just going to see salaries like get out of control, just completely out of control to the point where the cap is either going to have to raise... Or they're just going to have to realize that they can't keep spending obscene amount of money on just everybody, every position, mm -hmm. defensively, offensive linemen are getting record contracts. It's just, it's it's so crazy. So for me, I know I, I've been in the like pay the man camp, but you're right. There is a certain point where you pay one player too much, the rest of your team starts to suffer. And that one guy cannot be every position on the field. And if you, if you pay him more than the sum of the offensive line that protects him, or not protects him, I mean, like quarterback-wise, but or yeah. blocks for the quarterback that throws to him, and they start letting people get to the quarterback and they get sacked, then what good is that $120 million you just spent when the guy can't even catch a pass? Yeah, and I know that the NFL is starting to, it's not even starting, it just fully is a passing league at this point, which is why running backs have been falling in the draft. I saw Brees Hall ended up going to the Jets, so they got another weapon there for Zach Wilson. Oh, wow. But... In comparison to the running back market, I feel like what's going on with wide receivers might be the exact same thing that happened to running backs, where you are paying a bunch of these guys a bunch of money, and you realize that the rest of your team had to suffer because you were paying a bunch of money to guys who have the ball in their hands on occasion. Now, running backs have the ball in their hands more than wide receivers, but you, you throw the ball a lot more than you run the ball in today's NFL. I think at some point... Teams will pull a 180. I don't know when it's going to be, but I do believe that you, Tennessee laid the framework of trading your star wide receiver before the massive contract and relying on a bunch of young rookie plug-and-play guys. We saw with running backs, I think we are slowly going to see it happen with wide receivers because right now these positions are out of control, or the contracts are out of control. I, you're paying $120 million to a guy. Now, Debo's case he touched the ball more because he ran as well but if you're paying seven eight times nine times maybe at most ten if you're really lucky like you're paying them a hundred or 12 million per times they touch the ball so it's the way that i look the way that i look at wide receivers no matter how good an overall team is i know of course cooper cup was arguably the best receiver in the league last year and they won a super bowl so i get that this year might not be the best time for me to make this point but in my opinion I believe that wide receivers and running backs are icing on the cake. I feel like the most important positions are going to be the interior, either offense and defense. Of course, you got the quarterback, and then you have corners, in my opinion. I believe that those are the most important positions in football. The contracts somewhat reflect that, not really. But if I'm going to ask you right now, would you rather pay a premium price for an elite wide receiver but you have to let go of your starting left tackle, your starting right tackle, and potentially a starting defensive lineman, or would you rather keep the foundation in place and maybe settle for a B wide receiver? I'm going to go with the consistency at more positions. I'm going to choose option B personally. And you, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. Cause like I said, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. You can't, and you can't, the quarterback's got to be upright to throw and the defense has to be able to stop the other team from scoring. If you want to win the game. So 
Yeah, I mean, one guy, one receiver, one running back can be a game changer, but they can't win you at 16, 17 games a season. It's just, it's it's impossible. So, And I think that's what's happening, and that goes back to my running back point. A running back can't win you 15 games in a season. Derrick Henry can potentially win you 10, but then you get to the playoffs, you stack the box, and you realize that the rest of the team suddenly isn't very good. And even though Cooper Cup, of course, had a lot of help, yet Odell, who got there, who was unbelievable, you had Stafford, who was getting paid a bunch of money. He was great. I think the Rams are an awful example because they're like the Dodgers. They just have infinite money, and I'm not sure how they afford to pay for any of these people. But I know Cup's great. I know it's very nice and fun to have a wide receiver on your team like a Devontae Adams who can get you a bunch of production and be arguably the best receiver in football. But you look at Green Bay. You look at these other teams. I know the Chiefs won with Tyreek Hill. They also traded Hill because he wanted a bunch of money. So it seems like a lot of teams and front offices have started to agree with my approach, which is we would rather gamble a bit more on some lesser receivers to make sure that we don't suffer at four or five other positions. Well, I tell you what, it's just the the offseason has just begun still. Now that the draft is officially, uh, well, almost over, I suppose, uh, by the time you listen to this, it could be, depending on how late you wait to listen to this. But uh, it's going to be a lot but, more gambling and a lot more uh, jockeying for position. But how do you think the Raiders feel? You're paying Derek Carr that much money, and now you're paying Devontae Adams that much money. They cut Cleveland Farrell. They ended up cutting Josh Jacobs. Pretty much anybody that Gruden ever drafted besides – uh, Max Crosby, who's really been the only good player they've drafted in the last five years or so. But that's the point. You have that much salary cap invested in two pieces that you have to go cheap on every other position. And long term, it's going to result in more than good. Yeah. And we're going to see the effects of that, I have a feeling, over the next few uh, few seasons, especially until it comes to a head, like Scott said. Oh, Scott, it is always a blast talking football with you, and uh, this is no different. So why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Like I said, one of the Swiss Army Knives here at the SGPN. So you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio. Besides that, on the NBA Gambling Podcast once a week on Thursday. I'm on the Propcast every Wednesday. A couple of guest spots also in between, doing a lot of editing for the Die Hard Eagles podcast, for the... MLB Gambling Podcast, the NBA Gambling Podcast, the Propcast. Yeah, I don't sleep much, but either way, uh, it's been a lot of fun being on here. Also doing some editing for this podcast when Terrell is going to be hosting some episodes. But before I fully wrap up, I do want to ask you, since we talked about a lot of the round one guys, I mentioned that Brees Hall went to the Jets. Great acquisition. The Jets actually traded up to get him by about a spot or two. You have him and Michael Carter. Now, we talked about how we were relatively low on a lot of the rookie wide receivers because of some questionable spots. Does Hall just hit the ground running? Does he fully overtake Carter? Or do you think it's a full committee? Because Bryce Hall, or sorry, not Bryce Hall. That's another player on the team. Brees Hall should be going relatively quickly, if not immediate, in redrafts, right? Well, I mean, if all of the hype surrounding him leading up to this were accurate, then yes, he should be one of the guys that is carrying the ball more often than not. But you did, I mean, you said it. Michael Carter was there too. And it was, was good. Yeah, he was a serviceable back for sure. So, I mean, I don't know. I, Mark, this is what happens when you take rookies like this back to back, right? Yeah. You take a really good rookie and then you follow it up the next year with another really good rookie. And, and so now you're just like, well, are you just trying to have an embarrassment of riches? Or are you truly trying to make these guys a a swap out couple of drives, swap out couple of plays type of a back, like a thunder and lightning type of a thing? So I think where you took Carter, maybe wait a couple more rounds and take Hall. I, I don't know that I'd take Hall before Carter even. because yeah, Well, think, based on the NFL draft, I know a year apart, the Jets got both of them at, what, roughly the same spot? Carter yeah. was a second-round pick, right? Yeah. I think. So the way that I see it, if you need a tiebreaker, Hall should be the goal line back. So I guess that's where the difference is going to be because he should end up getting most of the touchdowns at the end of the drives. I also just think Hall's an insane player. No offense to Michael Carter, but Hall at Iowa State was so good for so long, and he's such a good dual threat guy. I'm a high on Hall, but it is an interesting landing spot considering the fact that Michael Carter did look really good before he got injured last year. Although, did that cash your bet? Oh, uh, yes, it did. <laughs> Look yes, at did. that. A live cash on the show. You got to love it. 
Uh, all right. Thanks again, Scott, for joining the show. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Find the SGPN Fantasy Podcast and the whole rest of the fantasy community at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter. Subscribe to this on the SGPN app or anywhere where you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, just keep up. Tuesday, another USFL day. Thursday, we come back and we talk about some Debbie. Ooh, let's get into some Debbie stuff, folks. If you want to really get deep in the weeds, stick around for Thursday's podcast. We're going to teach you how. We're going to teach you who. We're going to teach you why to play Debbie football. So until next week, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of the NFL draft. And as always, let it ride.